Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. and welcome back to Truth and Justice. I'm your host, Bob Ruff, and surprise, surprise, it's now about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, way later than we ever record an episode. The mail has been checked for the day, and no package from Smith County. I have to admit I'm not surprised in the least. It's something that we'll be dealing with after the show, but I'm actually not all that upset about it. I'm actually kind of excited to spend this afternoon recapping the year 2016 and all of the progress that has been made here with the Truth and Justice Army. This year has been a wild ride for me. It's literally been life-changing. At this time last year, I was still the fire chief at the North Berrien Fire Department. I had been struggling for months trying to decide what to do. The work that I was doing on Truth and Justice was becoming so overwhelming that I was reaching a point where I had to make a decision. Either I had to stop doing the podcast and continue being the fire chief, or I had to take an early retirement from the fire department and make the Truth and Justice podcast my full-time job. As you can imagine, that was an incredibly scary leap for a man with a wife and four kids. But it was a leap of faith that I'm glad that I took. This last year has been so rewarding. I've met so many amazing people. I've been blessed enough to actually be able to expand the company and add on Mike, who has been a great addition on the follow-up episodes and has been a wonderful producer. I feel like all of us together have reached out and touched people's lives. People who had been forgotten about by everybody else. And I couldn't be more proud to be the host and the leader of the Truth and Justice Army. So in today's episode, we're going to walk through a year in review of 2016. In 2016, we did something different for the first time. We weren't piggybacking off of another case or off of another podcast, but we dove into a case that no one had ever heard of before and began our investigation from the ground up. Order. 
Texas by way of Columbus, Ohio with an outstanding record of 32 wins, 22 by knockout. Kenny's case was ripe with twists, turns, and corruption. There was an FBI agent named Dennis Murphy who was connected to Kenny's case. In fact, he appeared to be the link between Kenny Snow's case and the Edward Eight's case. I was able to score an interview with Murphy in January. Uh, that was the only time you ever met with Kenny Snow? That's, that's the only... Yes, to my recollection, that's the only Smith County Jail contact I had with him. It, there may have been more than one. That's the only one that I recall. Agent Murphy went on the record here, telling me that he had nothing to do with the AIDS case and that he had only ever met Kenny the one time. This was an interview that I believe he later came to regret. By this point last year, Kenny and I had talked in detail about his connection with the Ed AIDS case. But at this point, Edward AIDS was just another player in Kenny's case to me. His name was nothing more than a seed that had been planted in my mind. As we move forward, our first clue in his case came by the way of my first trip to Tyler, Texas, and my first interview with the victim in his case, a man named Bill Cole. Bill is a grizzled old fella, but as I peeled through the complex layers of his personality, I found that there was a genuinely good person at the heart of Mr. Cole. Our relationship didn't start off well. Our discussion began with him referring to Kenny as, quote, that shithead boxer. Well, I was around a couple of times. This was a guy named Kenny Snow that, uh, uh... Yeah, boxer, that shithead. He had held on to a boiling hate for Kenny since the robbery occurred almost 20 years ago. I was shocked to find out how detailed his recollection of the incident was. He sat across from me at a jack-in-the-box with his eyes closed. I could see real fear in his face as he remembered the assault. But as he was describing to me in detail how the robber had gritted his teeth in front of him inches away from his face, I asked Bill a question that caused him to stagger. But Kenny had a big old tooth. I don't remember that. In the front of his, in the front really of his mouth. Remember. I don't remember. Just like I said back in January when I released that episode, sorry about the audio quality there. Wasn't the best in the jack-in-the-box. But this was my first indication that it was possible that Kenny might actually be innocent. And during the next month, as I continued to review statements, interview witnesses, and talk to Kenny, I discovered a major discrepancy. Kenny had described to me how Bill Cole had testified at his sentencing hearing. He described a man with dark hair, short, with glasses, none of which describes Bill Cole, who's about six foot two, white hair, and no glasses. I had also recalled that Bill had told me in our first interview that he had no idea what Kenny's sentence was. This prompted me to get back on a plane and head back down to Texas to interview Bill Cole again. During this interview, Bill confirmed to me that the police report was a complete fallacy. The report said that he was shown mugshots on two separate occasions. He says there was only one occasion. The report says that he described the robber's car as being, quote, wine-colored or dark red. He told me that the car was a two-toned white car, not red at all. I showed him a photo of Kenny's car, and he told me that he was positive that that was not the car that the robber was driving. And then I asked him for a statement about his appearance in court for Kenny's hearing. What I would like to do for you is I'm just going to have you give a testimony to the best of your remembrance. Just walk through yeah. what you remember happening. Yeah, happy first day. Your name was this. Your birthday was this. This is what you remember from the incident. And I'll ask you, did you did you appear in court? 
I didn't. Yeah, yeah. How many times have you killed those shots? At this point, it appeared that a terrible injustice had occurred. It was looking like Smith County brought an imposter into the court to pose as Bill Cole at Kenny's hearing. I had Mr. Cole's statement that he had never appeared in court, and Kenny's statement saying that someone saying they were Bill Cole was there and gave a statement, but none of that was proof. After all, Kenny's just an inmate. We can't just trust him. But a few months later, proof came in the way of a transcript from Kenny's hearing that I found mysteriously in the bottom of an evidence box from the Edward Eights case. The transcript clearly stated that Bill Cole, or someone claiming to be Bill Cole, was in that courtroom and spoke at Kenny's hearing, just like Kenny had said. We had found the smoking gun. Kenny Snow is innocent, and all he needed then was a lawyer. But that wasn't all that was contained in that transcript. The transcript also clearly stated, out of Dennis Murphy's own mouth, that he had worked with Kenny Snow on multiple occasions. And he also testified in the Edward Eights case, where he said that he had worked with Kenny Snow on several occasions. As I dug deeper, you'll remember that I found out that Dennis Murphy's son, Joel, was an intern for Jack Skeen at the time, and right out of law school was appointed as an assistant district attorney for Smith County under Jack Skeen. When I confronted Dennis Murphy with all of this, he confirmed that him and Jack Skeen were old, close, personal friends, and that Joel Murphy, the ADA that helped prosecute the Mineola Swingers case that was later thrown out and was cited for massive corruption, was prosecuted by none other than his son, Joel Murphy. Like I said at the beginning, I'm thinking that Dennis Murphy probably regrets giving that interview to begin with. But over the next few months, an amazing thing had happened. After over a decade in prison, Kenny's family finally reconnected with him. Kenny wrote me a letter this summer telling me that his kids had come to visit him and that he was finally able to meet his grandchildren. His sister had flown down from Ohio to visit him, and he now sees his family on a regular basis. Whether or not we were able to free Kenny Snow from prison, we have at least made an impact on his life. All of us, together. And most importantly this summer, one of our listeners, attorney Susan Schoon from Texas, stepped up to the plate and took on Kenny's case pro bono. As things sit now, Susan is still investigating the appropriate next step to take in Kenny's case. But I suspect the end result will be a filing of actual innocence based on Bill Cole's statement. As it turns out, Kenny's case was just the tip of the iceberg in Smith County. When I first started talking to Kenny, he told me that I should read Kerry Max Cook's book, Chasing Justice. I did just that, which led me to reaching out to Kerry personally. I found Kerry's story incredibly interesting as well as heartbreaking. Kerry is an innocent man who was convicted of the murder of Linda Jo Edwards in 1977 and sentenced to death. Through Kerry's 40 year struggle, he was tried for the murder three times and convicted and sentenced to death twice. In the late 90s, he was finally released on an Alford plea. He has been a free man ever since, but has continued to fight to clear his name and to be declared actually innocent. While we were working on Kenny's case, it just so happened that Kerry had been granted a court date where a judge would hear his claim of actual innocence. It had been nearly 20 years since he'd been out. The Truth and Justice Army jumped on board and moved to support Kerry, and in June, Kerry's conviction was finally vacated. He is no longer a convicted murderer, but the fight wasn't over. 
he still had to appear before the judge in July to argue for actual innocence exoneration. And this was a fight that, sadly, Kerry lost. But as I was reviewing the case, something was bothering me. For 40 years, the state's theory of the case was that Kerry killed Edwards, and Kerry's defense believed that Edwards' boyfriend, James Mayfield, had killed her. But I didn't see it that way. I analyzed the crime scene, and I saw a profile that indicated a young, immature female offender with a grudge against Linda Joe. The only person involved in the case that fit that description was James Mayfield's daughter, Luella. James had been having an affair with Edwards, which caused him to lose his job and was forcing his family, including Luella, to relocate to Houston. Luella had publicly threatened to kill Linda Joe Edwards just weeks before the murder. I jumped in and started doing some research and found Luella's son, Michael Valentin. I contacted him and he agreed to record an interview with me. In this interview, Michael revealed that his mother had actually confessed to him that she was the killer. Yeah, she heard exactly what she I did that because she hurt my mother. After talking to Michael, he told me that he'd be willing to testify in court about his mother's confession. I turned the entire recorded interview over to District Attorney Matt Bingham. Unfortunately, as far as I know, to date, Bingham has done nothing with this new information. Through all of this, I have been lucky enough to form a real bond of friendship with Carrie. And in June, he came on the show and gave us all a look inside of the man who has been tormented for decades. The innocent man who had his life stolen away from him. If you'll agree to not oppose actual innocence, that's all I want. That's all I want is to finally be told what happened to me. I'm innocent for Dwayne, for my mama, for my daddy, for everyone who's ever suffered an injustice. If he'll just do that, keep the money, keep every penny of it. I don't want it. I just want to be free. I want to be restored to the place I was before this ever happened to me. Innocent. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. While our focus in 2016 has been in East Texas, we did return to the Adnan Syed case for a few updates this year. In February, I flew out to L.A. and had the pleasure of sitting down with Jim Clemente and Laura Richards. I was able to observe them analyzing Jay Wilde's statements from the Adnan Syed case. This was the first professional opinion that has ever been rendered regarding Jay's statements by behavior and statement analysts. 
I think that we all listened in awe as they broke down Jay's statement point by point and piece by piece and concluded that he actually has absolutely no knowledge of this crime. But as shocking as that was, they followed up with their opinions about how Jay got a hold of the information that he was presenting in the interview. Before we segue into the the crime scene, so do you feel that, I kind of got the impression from you, Jim, that you feel like this, there may have been some intentional, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but some intentional coercion on the part of the fact that he had information that he could have only had from the police, or do you think it could have been accidental, or you're just not, not ready to make a call on it one way or the other, and that's fine, I too. I mean, if it was accidental, it was um, extremely shoddy police work. Right. Uh, he has so much incredibly accurate detail, and he's presented it in a way that is so abnormal compared to just this this conversation his mm-hmm. behavior in this conversation changes when he's talking about some specific details mm-hmm. he gets incredibly specific about them and then other specific details he just can't even buy into them he fades away on those yeah. so i just see that inconsistency throughout this and and the structurally this whole this whole conversation that he had just tells me that there's there's a problem with the kind of information he has and the kind of information he doesn't have right I just don't know how that happens unless somebody uh, either either uh, handed him information or left the file in front of him so he could find it himself. Right. Your take, Laura? Yeah, I mean, you know, those very specific details about what she's wearing, about the way the body is positioned and the way that, uh, you know, the, the shallow grave is, I've, I've certainly... Uh, you know, that's they're the standout features and they feel very uh-huh. uncomfortable the way that he recounts them, um, you know, in such a matter-of-fact way of ticking boxes of things that he needs to say. So, you know, whether that happens within the three hours pre the tape going on, uh, whether it's things that are written down, uh, whether it's, you know, things that are in front of him or he's being handed notes, you know, as, as Jim said, without being able to see, uh, have any visuals of it, it's very difficult to know. Right to rule out either of those things. Is it unconscious incompetence on behalf of the police? Um, I'm not so sure it's that. I think it seems to be so specific Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the information that he must have seen if he wasn't present. I've never been more sure of Anand Syed's actual innocence before talking to Jim and Laura. The take I got from them was that they were quite certain that Jay knew nothing about this crime, and what they were alluding to was that the only reason he had any details would have been because the police intentionally fed him those details. Following this interview, I made a trip to Baltimore to attend Adnan's post-conviction relief hearing where his attorney, Justin Brown, battled with state's attorney, Thiru Vignaraja, in an attempt to get Adnan's conviction vacated. This was a pretty incredible experience for me. Right after landing in Baltimore, I was invited to a mosque where I was able to meet Rabia and Saad and Yusuf and Adnan's mother and many of the people from his community and his family. I met Michael A. Wood there, and I was even asked to speak for a few moments at the mosque. The next day when the hearing began, I finally got to meet Susan Simpson for the first time in person, and I was able to be there in person and listen to all the testimony, including that of Asia McLean, during the week-long hearing. And in June of this year, finally, after 17 years in prison, Anand's conviction was finally overturned. I still remember that moment like it was yesterday. The moment when I got the text message from Rabia telling me that we won. Adnan will walk free. 
I was working in my yard, talking to my wife. I read the message and hit my knees. Tears were pouring down my face. I could barely get the words out as I was trying to tell Becky what had happened. I remember bumbling the words, we won, Ednan won. I want to move on now to what has become the most important mission of 2016. We have all, you included, been working tirelessly through the last six months to investigate the murder of Elnora Griffin and the conviction of Ed Eights. This case actually came to us in a very strange way. Ed didn't ask for our help. His family didn't request for us to review his case. Kenny Snow insisted that I looked into Ed's case because of his involvement. This led to what I believe was one of the most powerful moments ever on this show. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet to go over everything. They say that the Smith County Justice System has destroyed countless lives. Kenny Snow and Edward Aids are just two of many. These were two men who were bullied by the system. And like so many others, formed a bond of friendship while sitting in the Smith County Jail. Kenny Snow cracked under the pressure of the Smith County justice system. And he turned his back on a man who had become his friend. I spoke with him this week. And from the other side of the state, in another Texas prison, Kenny asked me to send a message to Edward Eights. I'd like to tell uh, Mr. H that I'm, I'm sorry for what happened. It wasn't about something that I wanted to do. Wrong was wrong by his right, so when it happened, I knew I had to make it right. So I went to my people and told them when it happened, and but they was more interested in me fighting. So then I wrote his attorney. Hello. How are you? It's so typical of me to talk about myself. I'm sorry. I hope you will. If I can help him in any way I can, I'll be at peace with myself and I'm all I'm okay with it. It's no secret that the both of us are running out of time. So I've always been a fighter, but without your help, I was about ready to give up. But now, I'm in it to win it again. Everything that I've done, but when I call, you never seem to be home. 
and, and not only for me and Edward A, but it's other men in Smith County that's been messed over. The destruction brought down by this situation goes far beyond just Kenny and Ed. Their lives have been destroyed. Their families' lives have been torn apart. Kenny Snow has made mistakes. There's no denying that. But as he's told me many times, he's always been a fighter. And he's ready to fight now. Not for just himself, but for Ed as well. And for everyone else that's been destroyed by this corrupt system. Ed Aids has always had a strong support system, but it's a support system without resources. But I believe with all of you behind me that after 18 years of sitting in that prison, Ed finally has a chance to go home to his family who loves him and misses him. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's kind of funny now looking back on it. Ed and I reminisce often about the first letter that I sent to him. He still has it. It's all wrinkled up. Because when he got it, it actually made him mad. He crumbled it up and forcefully threw it into a trash can. He was way beyond hoping that anyone could actually help him. It wasn't until a few days later when he received my second letter that he pulled the first one out of the trash can and wrote me back. Through the last seven months, we have marched through Ed's case. We've debunked false evidence, exposed lies, and are on the brink of proving who actually killed Elnora Griffin. But this trip has been about a lot more than just the case. Remember that when I first started talking to Ed, He hadn't had a visitor or a piece of mail or a phone call in over a year. He didn't even know if he was still married. This summer, I was able to track down Ed's wife, Kim, which led to this moment that I'm sure you'll all remember. Well, a few weeks back, when I finally got a hold of Kim, I asked her that question, are you and Ed still married? And she told me to play this message for Edward. She asked me to do this. She she wanted me to record a message to send to you. Edward. 
I want to know that I never doubted that you were innocent. I've always believed you. Uh, we are still married. I love you, and you will always have a place to come home to. I just pray and hope that that, that time is sooner than later. I cannot wait for us to be together as a family. Your kids cannot wait. This is a godsend. Were you able to hear that? Yes. You all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I just haven't heard her say that in a long time, you know. Tide started changing for Ed after that. He now enjoys regular visits and phone calls from his wife, Kim, his son, Zachary, his daughter, Kyra, his mother, Margie, and his brother, Kelvin. And besides just his family, Ed tells me that he has mail every single day now. The kindness of strangers from around the world has truly touched Ed's heart. But the big shift in Ed's spirits came in June of this year. My name's Allison Clayton. I'm an attorney with the Innocence Project of Texas, and I've been assigned to Ed Eight's case. As a direct result of the work that all of us are doing on Ed's case through the podcast, he now has real hope and a real shot at freedom. I spoke with Ed today and we reminisced about our journey so far. A year ago today, I'll be honest, I didn't really, I didn't really care about nothing. Really nothing and nobody. I ain't trust nobody. You know, I, my family, you know, everybody was, I mean, nobody was there, you know. I was just, just upset and mad. I mean, in prison here, I mean, just finding stuff here to do, to keep your mind off of what's going on in the free world. Then when I got the letter from you, I was, I was really kind of nervous, you know, and I was kind of nervous, and then I threw the letter away because I had got letters like that before, and then you J-paid me again, and then you told me some stuff that only a person can know this, you know, this possibly trying to help, or, I mean, I didn't know, then I kind of got scared, and I was sweating, and I said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write him back, so I, I wrote you back, and, and you told me some more stuff, and then you hooked the phone up, and I talked to you on the phone, and I mean, you kind of made me feel a little better. I mean, it opened up a bunch of old wounds, you know. But, I mean, things start to, you kind of made me feel a little, had a little peace, you know. It took a little weight up off my shoulders, especially when you told me that you could help me. And then you got my family involved. And, I, I mean, everything changed, you know. I just, well, my family, they're back in my life now. My son, he didn't, didn't seem like he wanted to talk to me at first or really have anything to do with me. Now he's talking to me. I mean, I think he's actually enjoying me now, and my daughter, my wife, my brother, he came back, my mother. I mean, everybody seemed like they're there trying to help me and support me. As the conversation moved on, we started talking about Ed's relationship with Kim. Well, I think, I mean, we were really in the process of, of getting a divorce, and, and what well, we had actually started it, uh, getting a divorce, and I hadn't heard anything about it or from her about it. And so, I mean, I figured that was it. And she, I found out later on that she didn't go, she didn't go through with it. You know, I was kind of, I was, I was happy, really happy at the time, but you know, I was mixed up at the same time too, because I didn't know what was going on. And then uh, she told me, you know, that uh, she really didn't want to do it anyway. And she never went down there. I mean, that really kind of made me, I mean, that really made me feel good. 
right now, our relationship, I mean, it's great right now. I mean, we can't, I mean, we're pretty much stuck together right now. I don't think, no matter what happened, I don't, I mean, we're not going anywhere. She comes every weekend. She comes see me every weekend, and <laughs> she grabs me and don't want to let me go. My daughter does the same thing. I mean, even my son, he hugs. I hug him. I, I think I'm hugging him tight, and he's squeezing me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's great. It's great right now. I mean, it's great. I'm enjoying myself, and I'm enjoying them. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know being with them now. You know, just enjoying them all of together. What's it been like for you to connect with all these people from all over the world? Oh man, that's just—I mean, that's a whole other experience. I mean, you know, at first I didn't—you know—I didn't believe nobody. You know, really, people just reach out and help you just because they want to. You know, I—I'm the last person to look for something like that. You know. Since I started getting letters, I got letters from this lady named Joanne. Man, she she really kind of touched me, you know. She let me know that she's out there and she's rallying people to try to help me. And and she's not doing it for anything. She's doing it because she wants to. She she enjoys it. You know, it makes her feel good to, you know, to know that I'm doing okay. and, And I believe her. I really believe her. Oh, I got so many birthday cards from people that I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed it. I can't thank them enough for it. I mean, they that, those really helped me. I mean, they lifted me up. I mean, I really know somebody out there trying to help me. I asked Ed what was running through his mind when he found out that the Innocence Project of Texas was taking his case. <laughs> I, I think I twisted my ankle when I went upstairs with that. <laughs> Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Our executive producer is Michael Bussing. I want to thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Our opening music today was To the Top by Score Squad. All the scoring music that you heard throughout the show was created by Shane Yoder. 
And of course, you heard a little bit of clips from some old episodes from Johnny Rose. I want to thank our transcription team, Sarah Mueller, Sarah Hoyt, and Desiree Dunn. And I want to take this moment at the close of 2016 and thank you all from the bottom of my heart for coming along this journey with me. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, leaving the fire department and taking this job on full time was a huge leap of faith. And I could never have done it without all of your support. So from the bottom of my heart and my family's heart, thank you. And as we move forward into 2017, I'm going to ask that you all stay engaged and stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.